this will be a sign in Luke chapter 2. And I'm not just hanging out in Luke chapter 2 because it's just fun to do during Christmas. I believe that God has something he really wants to talk to us about today. This will be a sign. This will be a sign. Luke chapter 2, we're also going to be in the book of Isaiah, and we're going to get there in just a minute. This is a picture from Tommy Jr. There's our three uh, grandkids for Tommy and Sarah. And uh, isn't that awesome? But you can see the amount of snow. Isn't that crazy? Right there, just a, f- just a few miles from us. And of course, the kids had a great time, and they were with us the, ca- the last couple of days. But this will be a sign. How many of you know that this is a sign that winter is here. But when we think of a sign, when we think of what is a sign, this is an example of, guess what? The weather's changing. The seasons are changing. Things are coming. And I want us to grab hold of something that God is constantly speaking to us about what is a sign. What is a sign? God speaks to us. Now listen, we can get up and we can be goofy about that. I mean, we can look at everything as a sign. We can look at and really try to stretch it and make it fit into our circumstance. But at the same time, God uses signs to speak to us. Let me ask you, are there counterfeit bills, $20 bills, $100 bills? Yes, there are counterfeits. Anybody in here has quit using money this week? No, there are always counterfeits. There are always counterfeits, but let me explain something to you. You always want to see the real thing, and you want to grab hold of the real thing, and you want to allow the real thing to touch your life, and that is Jesus Christ. And so when we think about a sign, this will be your sign, or here is a sign, or this will be a sign, this is what we're talking about. So this morning what I want to do is I want to talk out of the book of Isaiah. Now, you can make notes if you have your handout. I'd like you to just begin to write these verses down. They'll be at the bottom of the scriptures, and I want you to go with me, and then we'll look at Luke chapter 2. The first one is Isaiah 6, so it starts in chapter 6. Now, look at this. In the year that King Uzziah died, now this is the prophet Isaiah making these statements. Now, there's a reason why it starts in 6 and then goes to 7 and 8 and 9, 11 and on. In fact, in the living Bethlehem, the script says the prophet Isaiah, more than any other prophet, spoke of the way that the Messiah would come. It's really true, and we're looking at this right now. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. In other words, we we think of of a bride that goes down the aisle and the train that's behind. Well, in the sense of the Lord, I remember when I first came to the Lord reading this, going, man, this must be magnificent. In other words, his train of his glory, the very glory that follows God, fills the temple, just like a bride going down an aisle. How cool is that? How amazing is that? His glory is everywhere. Look at this. It says, above him stood the seraphims. We talked about that last week, about what a rhema word was. Remember that? With what the shepherds did. This thing, this rhema word, God talking. I want to get it so deep inside of you. Look at this. And above him stood, or above his glory, stood the Pharisees. Each had six wings. Two covered his face. Two covered his feet. Two he did fly. And one cried out to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth. Now the prophet Isaiah is saying, get prepared. There's going to be a Messiah that is coming. God's glory is covering the earth, but it's going to come in a greater measure and be expelled. In other words, it'll be expressed in greater measure than you have ever seen the glory of God. 
when Jesus came. And he said, the Messiah is coming, and this will be a sign to you. The whole earth will be filled with his glory. I would like to take the testimony of uh, Jana Metzel a little further. They were here a Friday and Saturday. It was Grace's birthday, so they drove in. Because we weren't able to have the Living Bethlehem, they, they weren't able to see it. But we met with them, and we were talking, and he had told me how they had not done the biopsy. Let me take it a step further to show you the glory of God, and I think that this is important. Now listen, when all is said and done, we're all going to meet the Lord in eternity. It's just when. And we're just here to do his bidding. We're here to do his purpose, whether he takes me now or whether he takes me years from now, okay? When I had a major widow-maker heart attack and I was lying in ICU, had a prophet friend come and whisper in my ear, literally came in as a minister, was able to come into ICU, gone down in my ear and said, God's not done with you yet. That's a sign. I was in that heart attack for a total of over three hours. Doctors say there's no way. My cardiologist says, dude, there's no way for you to be alive. I said, well, but God. You see, it's just because he has a purpose. There was some things to still accomplish, things to still do. You know what, whether I'm with him, as Paul said, whether I'm with him now or whether I'm with him later, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be with him. I'll be with him now. He can work in my life here, and then I'll be with him in eternity. See, when you get a glimpse of eternity, that's what it looks like. Are you all getting what I'm saying? That's what it begins to look like. It begins to look like this. Lord, whether you allow me to stay here a little longer or take me now, I'm with you. That is the goal. When I was talking to them yesterday and he said, they chose not to do the biopsy and we were talking, but here's what happened. To take it a step further, you have to understand, they prepped her for surgery. They put IVs in her arms. They had her totally prepped. They rolled her to the back. She was in the surgery room. Are y'all getting this? See, this wasn't just a doctor just calls and, oh, by the way, don't come in. The doctor comes in and says, listen. I don't see anything. I'm not convinced there's anything there. Now, this is looking at previous scans that showed a mass. So you all have to understand that this is what we're talking about when we say that, that God is saying, I've got something else for you to do. There's some things that are still need to be accomplished. I want to show my glory over the earth. I want people to see my glory in my hand. Let me tell you something. None of us deserve any of that. It's only because of who he is and what he does in our lives. Look at this, Isaiah 7. Then the Lord spoke to Ahaz, the grandson of Uzziah. Remember in chapter 6, the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. God's temple is big. God's temple is big, folks. Now, here we are in chapter 7 in the prophet Isaiah. Then the Lord spoke to Ahaz, the grandson of Uzziah, the king, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Make it deep as Sheol and as high as the heavens. But Ahaz says, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Listen, God says, you won't ask me for a sign. I'm going to give you one anyway. You see, I'm convinced that God is trying to speak to us even in the midst of our junk, in the midst of everything. I was a Christian. I had, I had just come to the Lord. Uh, and I, I've told this story a number of times over the years. But I mean, I'm telling you, I was just a couple of months old in the Lord. I was in it with a friend in Houston. And on the way back is, was before I was a believer. I mean, we just stopped and got drunk all the time. Anybody with me here? And that's just what I did. 
That was every day. I'd love to have that money back. And we stopped in Beaumont on the way back from Houston, and I was sitting there, and that's where I really began to love Charlie Brown because God really did a Charlie Brown moment on me. As I was sitting in that place, and the whole place began to just go fuzzy, and then he just began to highlight people. And he said, what are you doing here? They're here because they're lonely and hurting. Why are you here? He asked me a question. Why are you here? I've done something in your life. Man, I looked at my friend and I said, right now, we got to go. He goes, huh? uh, We got to go now. I'm going to hitch. I told him I'm going to hitchhike or whatever I got to do. We're leaving now. How many of you know that that was a sign? God is speaking. Are you getting what I'm saying? I came home and, and of course, the rest is history. But he says, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Therefore, the Lord himself says, I will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. You will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. I will give you a sign. I am the Lord God, and I will give you a sign. Whether you're looking for one or not, I will speak to you. I will speak to you. The day, the morning of the funeral of Lisa's dad who passed away early in his life. I mean, I'm older than he is now when he passed away. And when I think of that, that is, it's just mind-boggling when I think of that. And that morning, getting up, and God said, he bled and died, but my son bled and died that he might come to me. That was a sign. When I walked into the funeral home, all of Lisa's family, you know how families sit on the front row. All of Lisa's family was sitting on the front row. I walked in. I had Tommy Jr. with me. I never, she had, Lisa had gone earlier. I went in. I walked in. And the whole family stopped and stared at me. Not just one. The entire row stopped and stared at me and said, man, did you go out in the sun and get a sunburn? The glory of God. The Lord had spoken to me. The glory of God was literally on my life. That entire row recognized the glory of God on my life that morning. And I remember saying this. Now, you remember, we're baby Christians. I remember just sitting there going, uh, no, I didn't go out in the sun. It wasn't until later and years later I understood what God was doing. That was his glory. That was a sign to them something because I shared with Lisa's mom. I took a new Bible, bought a new Bible, and I underlined all the verses God spoke to me out of Hebrews 9 about the blood of bulls and goats cannot do what the blood of Jesus did in our life. Come on. Can you say amen to that? This will be a sign. Look at this, Isaiah 8, for God is with us. It says in Isaiah 8 that God is with us. Let me go ahead and share something else with you that's a sign. Is that okay? Can I? About two and a half years ago, a little longer, uh, Lisa and I were uh, at a pastor friend's. He had invited us. He had a, uh, a prophet friend coming in. That was the first time I had met him, uh, Jamie Galloway. Jamie's really here as well. He really hears from the Lord well. He's very prophetic. And uh, we were sitting there, and so he was just ministering to different other ministers. A friend of ours had just invited some, you know, friends of his to come. And as he began to go around the room, and he, and he, Lisa was to the right of me, so the glory came this way and got her first, you know what I mean? And, uh, and looked at her and said, um, I see you traveling to the Midwest to see your grandkids. Now, he had never seen us, didn't talk to us. I mean, we had said hello, but you know how that is. We always, we never tell people things. And he says, I see you driving to the Midwest. Now, what you have to understand at that time is Tommy Jr. and them are living right here in Lafayette. Leigh and Brady are right here in Lafayette. They're all working right here. Everything's honky-dory. And so Lisa's like, oh, okay. Not sure what that means. And then he says, oh, by the way, do you have a daughter that's expecting? And Lisa says, yeah. Now, Leo had only been pregnant, what, about four months, maybe three months? 
we didn't even know the gender of the baby yet. They wanted to know, so we didn't, wasn't able to know that yet. And says, oh, it's going to be a boy, and he's going to have the spirit of Elijah on his life, and he's going to do this and this and this. And then he goes, uh, did you know it was a boy? And Lisa goes, no, it's too early. We didn't know the gender of the baby yet. And he goes, oops. He said, okay, listen, I'm just, you know, uh, and he starts backpedaling. Now, if you've been there, you know what that looks like. And so he begins to say that. Well, guess what? It was a boy, Henry. And David Taylor, when Leah was here, when one of the last times David was here ministering, he uh, called Leah and said, he's got the spirit of Elijah on his life. He's going to be a boy. He's got the spirit of Elijah. Now, let me tell you, how many of you know that that is a sign? That is a sign. You go, Tommy, that's, you know, spiritual goobly gop. No, I'm not. Neither is this goobly gop. God said, this will be a sign unto you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, and he will be born of a virgin, and his name will be Jesus. If there was anything ridiculous, that was ridiculous. But when God says something, he means it. Now listen, let me explain something to you. Last Christmas, two days before Christmas, Brady got laid off of work. Two days before Christmas. They had to move to Dallas. That's where he found a job. We had to help them move. By February, they're over there. And all the things that took place. Guess who's been visiting a grandson in Dallas area? And Tommy Jr. has told us, even Andrew last night, you know, Papa, we're going to be moving to Tennessee. And it's about 10 hours away. I think Lisa will probably be driving to the Midwest to see her grandkids. See, why does God do that stuff? See, you, you got to go. Here, here's the question. If we agree that God did it, why does God do that stuff? So that my wife would not fall apart worrying about our grandkids and our children and our son-in-law and our daughter-in-law. Are y'all hear what I'm saying? That God would say, here's a sign. It's me. It's okay. I've got my hand on the situation. Go with it and enjoy it. That's why God does those things. Here is a sign unto you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. He'll be born of a virgin, and you will name him Emmanuel, God with us. You see, these are the things that we know. You go, Tommy, you're, you and Lisa, y'all are just, you know, y'all are special people. God only talks like that to special people. Let me explain something to you. If God will speak to my wife and I, he will speak to you. He will speak to you. Can I give you one more? So Grace's parents are here, Pastor Allen. And so he, we've become great friends with them. And as a matter of fact, Dr. Lynn, I have a book for you that he gave me to give you. Let me, let me explain something to you. So yesterday they're leaving to drive back to Dallas. And uh, he handed me that book, and I didn't notice there was a note inside of it. Yesterday, so when they were leaving, I, he, he said, uh, we were talking about what they're going to be ministering. And I said, oh, man, I'll be preaching on this will be a sign. I said, because you see, earlier this week, I'd wake up in the middle of the night saying this will be a sign, this will be a sign, this will be a sign, this will be. I would wake up, I would dream preaching that. I would dream waking up speaking those things. He, in the note, I read it last evening before our living Bethlehem. And in it, he just began to outline, God is doing this, this, and this. God woke me up at 3 a.m. on Thursday morning. See, the same time that God was speaking to me, this will be a sign. And he wrote, God is doing this, this, and this. And he wrote in there, and I could show you the note. I, I, I forgot the note. It's on my counter. I wanted to hold it up. This will be a sign to you. I am absolutely convinced that God wants to speak louder than our inability to hear him. God speaks louder than our inability to hear him. He is going to do whatever it takes to get us to hear his voice. He wants to speak to us. He wants to encourage us. He wants to move us forward. 
in life. So look at this. So here we go. So Isaiah 6, Isaiah 7, Isaiah 8. Let's look at Isaiah 9. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Come on, how many of you can say that Jesus is wonderful in your life? How many of you can say Counselor? How many of you are glad that he's a counselor in your life? I'm not looking for an amen corner. I'm asking you to agree with the word of God. How many of you are glad that Jesus is a counselor in your life? How many of you are glad that he is wonderful? How many of you are glad he's the mighty God in your life, that he will move and, and do things in your life? Come on. How many of you are glad that he is an everlasting father and the prince of peace? How many of you know that he wants to be the prince of peace in your life here this morning? Look at this. And the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, because you see, Jesus was of the tribe of Judah, and so was David. By the way, Judah means praise. And so David, King David, was a psalmist and a worshiper among many things. But one of the things, he came out of the tribe that means praise. So did Jesus. He says, and to establish with judgment, with justice, from this point forever, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. Now look at Isaiah. Let's jump to Isaiah 11. It says, then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. Now he's of the tribe, Jesus of the tribe of of David, Jesse is the father of David. And it's a root, it's a stem, it's a branch out of Jesse, David, Jesus. And he says, and the branch from his roots will bear fruit. And the spirit will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and strength. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he will judge the poor. And decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. Isn't that powerful to know that God will stand in righteousness for every one of us as we stand for what is right? Can I tell you here this morning that it is always right to do the right thing? It is always right to do the right thing. It's always right. Because God will defend you. You say, well, it cost me, Tommy. Well, okay, it cost you. Cannot Jesus recover what you need in that to do what is right? See, the enemy says if you don't compromise, you'll never make a living. You'll never get a job. You'll never do this. I'm here to tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell. That is a lie from the pit of hell. There is nothing in the Word of God that tells you to compromise to make it in this life here on earth. Nothing. It's not in here. You can't find it. Why? Because God says, I am your comforter. I am your counselor. I am your provider. I am your healer. I am your supplier. I am the one that brings you peace. I am your righteousness. I am your banner. That is who Jesus should be in our lives. Now, I'm going to tell you, last night when the lights weren't working and sound was giving us problems and we couldn't do any, we did last night without even a dress rehearsal. I have to tell you, my insides were going berserk. Somebody looked at me and said, well, God's still working on her character. And, and all I could say was, well, amen. <laughs> what are you going to say to that? It's really true. I mean, you know, I mean, look, when, when everything's riding on that, what kind of investment? See, I said, look, it, it's, it's not about perfection. It's about the investment and the best presentation for our community. That's what it's about, you see. It's about the touch of God being on it. And when things are working, God can touch that and work that out in such a way that it, it just declares throughout all the heavenlies. Isn't that powerful? Look at this. Isaiah 11. 
spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge with his eyes nor make a decision by what is his here, but with righteousness he will judge the poor. Now, judgment is not a bad word. Judgment is just a decision on what something is. So when God says, I'll care for the poor, you see what I mean? I'll make a judgment for the poor. I'll look at them and I'll care for them. That's why we do a food pantry, because God says, when you care for the poor, I'll care for you. Oh, what about the abuse? Let's go back to the counterfeit example. There's always counterfeits. God called us to do a thing. He said he'd judge it. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this, that vengeance is, is mine, saith the Lord. Anybody's ever read that little, that little verse of Scripture? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You know why it says that? Let me go ahead and give you a reason. Because when you begin to take it in your own hands, you tie the hands of God. Okay, let me say that again because I think that's sinking in a little bit. When you put your hands on that, you take the hand of God off of it. He says, you're making all the decisions, you're making all the judgments, I'll go ahead and let you do it. I'll take my hand off. But when we say, God, here's your circumstance, here's the situation, he goes, thank you for allowing me to work in that. And that's how God works on that. He says, and decide fairness for the afflicted of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and the breath of his lips will slay the wicked. Also, righteousness will be the belt of his loins. You know, a belt holds things up. The belt holds things up. And faithfulness, the belt about his waist. Righteousness and faithfulness. Those are the staples of God. Righteousness and faithfulness are the staples of God. So when we said we need children here at 6 to get their costume, that doesn't mean 6.30. See, 6.30 is not faithfulness. Now, if your car breaks down and you get there at 6.30, we're glad you made it. But if you just decide, I just don't want to get there at 6, that's, that is rebellion and that is unfaithfulness. You need to be there to be prepared to give your best presentation to touch a community. You've got to see it in greater measure. You've got to see God's way. I want to see it God's way. So now we're getting to Luke. So here's our New Testament example. The angel says to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name his name Jesus. You know, Mary growing up as a faithful Jewish little girl, she had read the book of Isaiah. She knew those verses about the Messiah coming. Did you think she ever thought I would be the one that would carry the Christ child? Wow, what a thought, huh? He says, and he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Is that not what we just read in Isaiah? That's what the angel was declaring to this young Jewish girl, this virgin. Now, I want you to think again what the angel is telling her. This will be a sign to us. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. You know, Andrew works for Lamar Signs. This is pretty good, huh? This will be a sign to you. You know, you're in a digital age. Remember when everything used to be just paper and they would glue everything to these big signs, right? Now everything's digital, man. You go in and change it. But this will be a sign to you. That's what he does. You know what I mean? He goes out and finds property. Let's put a sign up. This will be a sign to you. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Here it is again. And he says he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Isn't that powerful? You see, what we have to know is that Mary took all of that in, and he will be the son of the highest. His kingdom will reign, will have no end. 
Isn't that amazing? She's going, that's what's coming inside of me. Now watch this. So now the angels are talking to the shepherds. But the angel said, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you. Look at your neighbor and say, for you. That's right. For you, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign. Here we go again. This will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, what's interesting about that is that you say, Tommy, the, what was declared in Isaiah is this will be a sign to you. And it was a little different. The, the child will be born to a virgin, but he will do this and reign in righteousness. And we have here, this will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And look at this. So they came in, in, in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the babe as they lay in a manger. But when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about the child. You see, God told them, the angels spoke to them and said, you're going to find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. You're going to find Mary and Joseph. You're going to find them in a manger. You're going to find them at this special place. What's beautiful about this is when they went, it says that they went immediately and I remember last week we talked about when he said, let's go see this thing. The shepherd said, let's go see this thing. That word for thing is rhema, this event. It's a rhema event that God wants to make real inside of us. This revelation out of heaven, God wants to make real. Look at this. They go and they found it and they made known the statement which had been told them. How many of you know that Mary and Joseph told the shepherds all of this? This is what the angel spoke to me, that he would be a child of righteousness. His kingdom would have no end. He will reign and rule. He's from the tribe of Judah. He is in the line of David. This will be a sign to you. You see, God is imparting all of these things inside of us. Why? That we might be a sign for him. That we are a sign to him of what he can do. The question here today is, are you a sign of what God can do in your life? Why do we do the living Bethlehem? That we are a sign of what God has done. Lisa, I think this morning, somebody sent us a link to uh, Channel 3, and they had a little video clip, a little interview clip. It was just real short, and one of the pictures. And somebody commented underneath it, uh, let the brainwashing, how did they say it, begin or something like that. Something of that nature. Those are the very people we're doing it for. As I've told you before, one year I was sitting in an Easter play and my brothers were in it and I made fun of them, I mocked them, and I ridiculed them down to the nth degree. I'm talking, I'm not, I'm not saying it was a little thing. I'm telling you, I, I was a terror. I was an agent for the enemy. The next year I was in that same Easter play. You see, this is what I'm trying to tell you. Those kind of comments, they don't bother me at all. In fact, I go, Lord, that's why we do this thing. That's why we spend all the money, a lot of money. That's why we do it, so that the message can be declared that there's going to be a moment when that person is going to say, I need Jesus. I need a change in my life, just like I did. And many of you, as I look out, exactly the same thing in here. Man, I'm not insulted or offended by that. None of that bothers me at all. Why? Because I know the power of the truth of the gospel when it's declared. I know the truth when it's declared. That's why that family came up after and said, man, this is amazing. 
this is the real story of Jesus. That's exciting. And it's up to us to invite people and say, come on out and see the real thing. That's what we want you to see, the real story, the real account. I'm not saying there's no one else giving a real account, but I know this, that we're going to give the real account. I can't, I'm not accountable for everybody else, but I am accountable for what we proclaim. And I am accountable to make sure that it comes across as great as possible. Our human video in the youth, and the, uh, I've, I've talked to Laura about this, and Rebecca. Rebecca, thank you for working so hard of getting that ready with everyone. And, uh, and Zach, uh, by the way, does a great Jesus. He, he does a great Jesus, okay? And so here, here's the deal. So the, the human video can be super, super intense, but we got, you know, five and six and seven-year-olds sitting right there. So we have to make sure that what we portray brings the message but not overly done so that everybody that's there. You see, these are the little things you have to consider that every person gets to see the message and is able to receive it, whether you're six years old or 60 years old. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This will be a sign unto you. Isn't that awesome? The manger scene and the baby Jesus and all the angels and all the declarations. That is why we do this. This will be a sign. I believe that this morning, God has been speaking to some of you. I don't believe that God would for two nights, all through the night, speak to me and say, this is a sign, if he was not speaking to many of you here today. I believe that God is doing that. And I want each one of you to grab hold of that and don't reject those signs that God is trying to speak to you. Now, like I said, don't try to make it fit into your circumstance. Let God speak. I was just thinking, uh, Pastor Travis, before, before service today, and I, I didn't know if I'd share this. So four mornings in a row, God spoke to me about all hands on deck. This was numerous years ago, over four years ago, five years ago. And he kept telling me these things, all hands on deck, all hands on deck, all hands. Every morning I'd wake up and the clock was exactly the same every morning. And how many of you know you start going, I guess God's trying to say something. All hands on deck. Well, at that time, we were talking to uh, Sunshine and Travis about coming on. And so we were in a restaurant. We had already conversed two or three times by phone, and then we had gone to Baton Rouge, and then they were here, and we were sitting in a restaurant, and we were trying to make a final decision, them and us, just going, God, is this you? That, it wasn't a personal, it, it was, God, is this you? That's all. They're an awesome couple. Everybody knows that here now, now that you know them. We, we know that. We're just going, God, what are you doing? And, and Travis looks across, and we were just talking, and he says, man, it's like all hands on deck. I asked him, I said, do you talk like that? Did I not? That's exactly, is that what I asked you? I said, do you talk like that? Do you ever say that? He goes, I don't know if I've ever said that in my entire life. I have no idea why I said that. I said, well, let me tell you why I said, why you said that. And so that's when we finalized and said, here's what we're going to do. Boom, boom, boom. And it was over. You see, God sets you up, not for goofiness. God sets you up for consistency. That's why a consistent devotional life is important. If we wake up in the morning, and I had a, <laughs> you've heard the story, but I had a minister friend who actually this happened, and said, and, and you do this, and you go, okay, God, I need you to talk to me. You just open the Bible and go, and you look, and they said, they read it and said, literally, and lo, the Lord uh, delights in the death of his saints. No, 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 wait, wrong verse. I'm <laughs> You see, that's not how you get a word from the Lord. When I say a word, I'm talking about something hooey-gooey. I'm talking about consistency with God. When you get a consistent devotional life and you're reading and you're looking through the word of God 
and you're believing it in every day, whether, whether you're reading 10 chapters a day, one chapter a day, regardless of what you're doing, you're consistent. And I've told y'all many times how Lisa wants to kick me out of her way so she can have her devotional life every morning. You know, you, you look and you're reading, and then today, this is what you're reading. When God drops something in your heart, you go, that's not an accident. That is consistency. God is not random. He's not logical, but he's consistent. So you don't try to figure God by logic. You'll miss it every time. Parting the Red Sea has nothing to do with logic. The day of Pentecost, putting, you know, 120 believers in a room, waiting on the Lord is not logical. But the character of God is consistent. His character is, I want to give you a sign. I want to give you a sign. 